Today's generation may have seen cassette tapes in discarded drawers or in the endless paraphernalia that old houses accumulate. But for the generation that grew up during the time of cassette tapes, they bring back a boatload of memories. And that's the first post in today's episode. Who remembers cassette tapes? Before iPods and CDs, there were audio cassette tapes. Now forgotten in the lofts of old houses, you'll still find old collections gathering dust. The inventor, Lou Ottens of the Eindhoven Company, passed away at the age of 93. Another milestone in an audio journey that played out over a couple of decades. Cassette tapes attained the heights of their popularity in the late 60s and by the early 80s, they were on their way out having conceded ground to the vastly more popular CDs. But in those 20 plus years, over 100 billion cassettes were sold. Like razors without blades, the cassettes were of no use without devices to play them on. They were also temperamental. Tapes would suddenly unravel. Getting sucked into a tangled mess inside the players was fairly common and pencils would be used to rewind them, literally, if they survived intact. The change today is that everything is fused into one. The device and the music are no longer separate. Chargers and wires are the new cassette tapes. Long after the device is replaced, they languish in drawers, separated like umbilical cords and cast aside, added to the debris of memories. Here's what the inventor of cassette tapes had to say. I'm not a psychologist, but that music experience is of course all nonsense. Nothing can match the sound of the CD. It's absolutely noise and rumble free. That never worked with tape. But who am I to say what's better? I'm over 90 and have old ears. I've made a lot of record players and I know that the distortion with vinyl is much higher. But some people call it warm audio. I think people mostly hear what they want to hear. But there are always madmen who want to look back to the past. There is always a market for that. From records to a different kind of persona. Politicians. We love to hate them as a class. But what if you looked at politicians differently? Second post. What if you gave politicians ranks? New York is looking to vote differently to select its mayor in the elections. In India, you choose one candidate over the other. And that's where the difference lies. The voters there will rank the candidates according to their preference all the way from 1 to 5. If that sounds confusing, there's a detailed explainer Vox. It isn't very new apparently. Australia has been voting this way for the last hundred years. The idea is to have various campaign approaches instead of merely putting one versus all. So politicians spend more time telling people why their ideas are better and try to convince the electorate. There are parallels in branding where you try and sell one brand over the others in the market by promoting a different set of benefits and customers vote with their purses every time they shop. 
packaging one set of benefits versus the competition. And if they're convinced, people give the brand a chance. There are times when brands go head-to-head, like in the latest Sebamet campaign, where pH became the selling point in a market that simply never considered it earlier. But marketing isn't like politics, is it? And for the final post in today's episode, here's something that manufacturers wouldn't want to hear. Can customers make money off the brands they buy? Strange question, probably. If customers are the reason brands exist, shouldn't they earn a share of the brand's success? It doesn't happen usually. There is a brand which put it into practice. One of the most successful craft beer brands in the US. Created by a person whose family had been in the beer business for decades and knew popular taste centered around light beers or water with froth, the dominant ones that ruled the market for decades. Beers with a deep, distinct flavor were rarities, unlikely to ever succeed. Jim Koch launched Sam Adams, named after a patriarch among brewers who represented a beer revolution and beer independence for the United States. In the early days, he went around from bar to bar with cold cans and tried to get owners to place orders for them. It took decades, but over time, Sam Adams became wildly successful. And for the IPO, they put in a coupon on the six packs of beer that allowed customers to buy 33 shares at $15 per share. 130,000 people sent in checks that amounted to $65 million. For once, customers also profited from a brand's success. That's fair compensation. If you enjoyed this newsletter, please consider sharing it with friends or tweeting the link. The more people we can get to tune in every week, the merrier. Thank you and I hope to hear from you, write in or any which way you like.